Book Four, Canto Eleven of the Fairy Queen by Edmund Spencer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Thomas Copeland. Canto Eleven. Marinelle's former wound is healed. He comes to Proteus Hall, where Tamus doth the medway wed and feasts the sea gods all. But ah, for pity that I have thus long left a fair lady languishing in pain. Now well away that I have done such wrong, to let fair Florimel in bands remain, in bands of love, and in sad thraldom's chain, from which, unless some heavenly power her free by miracle, not yet appearing plain, she linger yet is like captive to be, that even to think thereof it inly pities me. Here need you to remember how erewhile unlovely Proteus, missing to his mind that virgin's love to win by wit or wile, her threw into a dungeon deep and blind, and there in chains her cruelly did bind, in hope thereby her to his bent to draw. For when as neither gifts nor graces kind her constant mind could move at all he saw, he thought her to compel by cruelty and awe. Deep in the bottom of an huge great rock the dungeon was, in which her bound he left, that neither iron bars nor brazen lock did need to guard from force or secret theft of all her lovers, which would have her reft. For walled it was with waves, which raged and roared, as they the cliff in pieces would have cleft. Besides, ten thousand monsters foul of horde did wait about it, gaping grisly, all begored and in the midst thereof did horror dwell, and darkness dread, that never viewed day, like to the baleful house of lowest hell, in which old Styx, her aged bones alway, old Styx, the grand dame of the gods, doth lay. There did this luckless maid seven months abide, ne ever evening saw, ne morning's ray, ne ever from the day the night descried, but thought it all one night that did no hours divide. And all this was for love of Marinelle, who her despised. Ah, who would her despise? And women's love did from his heart expel, and all those joys that weak mankind entice. Natheless his pride full dearly he did price, for of a woman's hand it was a roke, that of the wound he yet in languor lies, ne can be cured of that cruel stroke which Britomart him gave, when he did her provoke. Yet far and near the nymph his mother sought, and many salves did to his sore apply, and many herbs did use. But when as not she saw could ease his rankling malady, at last to Tryphon she for help did high, this Tryphon is the sea-god surgeon height, whom she besought to find some remedy and for his pains a whistle him behight that of a fish's shell was wrought with rare delight so well that leech did hark to her request and did so well employ his careful pain that in short space his hurts he had redressed and him restored to healthful state again in which he long time after did remain there with the nymph his mother like her thrall who sore against his will did him retain for fear of peril which to him mote fall to his too ventrous prowess prove it over all. It fortuned then a solemn feast was there to all the sea-gods and their fruitful seed, in honor of the spousals, which then were betwixt the Medway and the Thames agreed. 
Long had the Thames, as we in records read, before that day her wooed to his bed, but the proud nymph would for no worldly meed, nor no entreaty to his love be led, till now at last relenting she to him was wed. So both agreed that this their bridal feast should for the gods in Proteus' house be made, to which they all repaired, both most and least, as well which in the mighty ocean trade as that in rivers swim or brooks do wade, all which not even hundred tongues to tell, and hundred mouths and voice of brass I had, and endless memory that mote excel, in order as they came could I recount them well. Help therefore, O thou sacred imp of Jove, the nursling of Dame Memory his dear, to whom those rolls laid up in heaven above and records of antiquity appear, to which no wit of man may come and near. Help me to tell the names of all those floods, and all those nymphs which then assembled were to that great banquet of the watery gods, and all their sundry kinds, and all their hid abodes. First came great Neptune with his three-forked mace that rules the seas and makes them rise or fall. His dewy locks did drop with brine apace under his diadem imperial, and by his side his queen with coronal, fair Amphitrite, most divinely fair, whose ivory shoulders were uncovered all as with a robe with her own silver hair, and decked with pearls, which the Indian seas for her prepare. These marched far for the other crew, and all the way before them as they went, Triton his trumpet shrill before them blew, for goodly triumph and great jolliment that made the rocks to roar as they were rent. And after them the royal issue came, which of them sprung by lineal descent. First the sea-gods, which to themselves do claim the power to rule the billows and the waves to tame. Forcus, the father of that fatal brood, by whom those old heroes won such fame, and Glaucus, that wise soothsays understood, and tragic Ino's son, the which became a god of seas through his mad mother's blame. Now hight Palemon, and his sailor's friend. Great Brontes and Astraeus, that did shame himself with incest of his kin unkenned, and huge Orion, that doth tempest still portend. The rich Tetius, and Eurytus long, Neleus and Peleus, lovely brethren both, mighty Chryseor, and Caicus strong, Eurypylus, that calms the water's wrath, and fair Ephemus, that upon them goeth as on the ground, without dismay or dread, fierce Eryx, and Alebius, that knoweth the water's depth, and doth their bottoms tread, and sad Aesopus, comely with his hoary head. There also some most famous founders were of puissant nations, which the world possessed, yet sons of Neptune now assembled here. Ancient Ogyges, even the ancientest, and Inachus, renowned above the rest, Phoenix and Aeon and Pelascus old, great Belus, Phiax and Agenor best, and mighty Albion, father of the bold and warlike people which the Britain islands hold. For Albion the son of Neptune was, who, for the proof of his great puissance, out of his Albion did on dry foot pass into old Gaul, that now is Clepid, France, 
to fight with Hercules, that did advance to vanquish all the world with matchless might, and there his mortal part by great mischance was slain. But that which is the immortal sprite lives still, and to this feast with Neptune's seed was dight. But what do I their names seek to rehearse, which all the world have with their issue filled? How can they all in this so narrow verse contained be, and in small compass hilled? Let them record them that are better skilled, and know the monuments of passed age. Only what needeth shall be here fulfilled, to express some part of that great equipage, which from great Neptune do derive their parentage. Next came the aged Ocean, and his dame old Tethys, the oldest two of all the rest, for all the rest of those two parents came, which afterward both sea and land possessed. Of all which, Nereus, the eldest and the best, did first proceed, than which none more upright, ne more sincere in word and deed professed, most void of guile, most free from foul despite, doing himself and teaching others to do right. Thereto he was expert in prophesies, and could the leaden of the gods unfold, through which, when Paris brought his famous prize, the fair Tyndarid lass, he him foretold that her all Greece, with many a champion bold, should fetch again, and finally destroy proud Priam's town. So wise is Nereus old, and so well skilled, Nathless he takes great joy oft-times amongst the wanton nymphs to sport and toy. And after him the famous rivers came, which do the earth enrich and beautify, the fertile Nile, which creatures new doth frame, long Rhodonus, whose source springs from the sky, fair Ister, flowing from the mountains high, divine Scamander, purple yet with blood of Greeks and Trojans, which therein did die, Pactolus glistering with his golden flood, and Tigris fierce, whose streams of none may be withstood, great Ganges and immortal Euphrates, deep Indus and Meander intricate, slow Peneus and tempestuous Physides, swift Rhene and Alpheus still immaculate, Uroxes feared for great Cyrus' fate, Tibris, renowned for the Romans' fame, rich Oronoki, though but known late, and that huge river which doth bear his name of warlike Amazons, which do possess the same. Joy on those warlike women, which so long can from all men so rich a kingdom hold, and shame on you, O men, which boast your strong and valiant hearts in thoughts less hard and bold, yet quail in conquest of that land of gold. But this to you, O Britons, most pertains, to whom the right hereof itself hath sold, the which, for sparing little cost or pains, lose so immortal glory and so endless gains. Then was there heard a most celestial sound of dainty music, which did next ensue before the spouse, that was Orion crowned, who playing on his harp, unto him drew the ears and hearts of all that goodly crew, that even yet the dolphin which him bore through the Aegean seas from pirates' view, stood still by him astonished at his lore, and all the raging seas for joy forgot to roar. 
So went he playing on the watery plain, soon after whom the lovely bridegroom came, the noble Tamus, with all his goodly train. But him before there went, as best became, his ancient parents, namely the ancient Tame, but much more aged was his wife than he, the Ooze, whom men to Isis rightly name. Full weak and crooked creature seemed she, and almost blind through eld, that scarce her way could see. Therefore on either side she was sustained of two small grooms, which by their names were hight the Churn and Charwell, two small streams, which pained themselves her footing to direct aright, which failed oft through faint and feeble plight. But Tame was stronger and of better stay, yet seemed full aged by his outward sight, with head all hoary and his beard all gray, dewed with silver drops that trickled down all way. And eke he somewhat seemed to stoop afore with bowed back, by reason of the load and ancient heavy burden which he bore of that fair city, wherein make abode so many learned imps, that shoot abroad and with their branches spread all Brittany, no less than do her elder sisters brood. Joy to you both, ye double nursery of arts, but Oxford thine doth tame most glorify. But he their son, full fresh and jolly was, all decked in a robe of watchet hue, on which the waves, glittering like crystal glass, so cunningly enwoven were, that few could weenen whether they were false or true. And on his head, like to a coronet he wore, that seemed strange to common view, in which were many towers and castles set, that it encompassed round as with a golden fret. Like as the mother of the gods, they say, in her great iron chariot wants to ride, when to Jove's palace she doth take her way, old Sibylle, arrayed with pompous pride, wearing a diadem embattled wide, with hundred turrets like a turbant. With such an one was Tamis beautified, that was to wit, the famous Troynovant, in which her kingdom's throne is chiefly resient, and round about him many a pretty page attended duly, ready to obey, all little rivers which owe vassalage to him as to their lord and tribute pay, the chalky Kennet, and the Thetis Grey, the Moorish Coal, and the soft sliding Breen, the wanton Lee that oft doth lose his way and the still darrant in whose waters clean ten thousand fishes play and deck his pleasant stream. Then came his neighbor floods, which nigh him dwell, and water all the English soil throughout. They all on him this day attended well, and with meat service waited him about. None disdained low to him to lout. No, not the stately Severn grudged at all, the storming Humber, though he looked stout. But both him honoured as their principal, and let their swelling waters low before him fall. There was the speedy Tamar, which divides the Cornish and the Devonish confines, through both whose borders swiftly down it glides, and meeting Plym to Plymouth thence declines, and Dart nigh choked with sands of tinny mines. But Avon marched in more stately path, proud of his adamants, with which he shines and glisters wide, as all's a wondrous bath, and Risto fair, which on his waves he builded hath. 
and there came Stour with terrible aspect, bearing his sixty formed heads on high, that doth his course through Blandford plains direct, and washeth windborne meads in season dry. Next him went Wileborne with passage sly, that of his wiliness his name doth take, and of himself doth name the shire thereby. And Mole, that like a noosling mole, doth make his way still underground, till Tamus he overtake. Then came the rother, decked all with woods like a wood-god, and flowing fast to rye, and Stuer, that parteth with his pleasant flood the eastern Saxons from the southern nigh, and Clare and Harwich both doth beautify. Him followed Yar, soft-washing Norwich wall, and with him brought a present joyfully of his own fish unto their festival, whose like none else could show the which they ruffins call. Next these the plenteous ooze came far from land by many a city and by many a town, and many rivers taking under hand into his waters as he passeth down, the clay, the weir, the grant, the stoor, the round, Thence doth by Huntington and Cambridge flit, by Mother Cambridge, whom, as with a crown, he doth adorn, and is adorned of it, with many a gentle muse, and many a learned wit. And after him the fatal Welland went, that, if old saws prove true, which God forbid, shall drown all Holland with his excrement, and shall see Stamford, though now homely hid, then shine in learning, more than ever did Cambridge or Oxford, England's goodly beams. And next to him the Neen down softly slid, and bounteous Trent, that in himself and seems both thirty sorts of fish and thirty sundry streams. Next these came Tyne, along whose stony bank that Roman monarch built a brazen wall, which mote the feeble Britons strongly flank against the pick that swarm it over all, which yet thereof Galsever they do call, and Tweed, the limit betwixt Logris land and Albany, and Eden, though but small, yet often stained with blood of many a band of Scots and English both, that pined on his strand. Then came those six sad brethren, like forlorn, that whilom were, as antique fathers tell, six valiant knights, of one fair nymphe born, which did in noble deeds of arms excel, and one at there, where now York people dwell, still Ur, Swift Worth, and Oz, the most of might, High Swale, Unquiet Nide, and Troublous Skell, all whom a Scythian king, that Humber hight, slew cruelly, and in the river drowned quite. But passed not long ere Brutus' warlike son, Locrinus, them avenged, and that same date which the proud Humber unto them had done, by equal doom repaid on his own pate. For in the selfsame river where he late had drenched them, he drowned him again, and named the river of his wretched fate, whose bad condition yet it doth retain, oft tossed with his storms which therein still remain. These after came the stony shallow loan, that to old Lancaster his name doth lend, and following Dee, which Britons long agone did call divine. 
that doth by Chester tend, and Conway, which out of his stream doth send plenty of pearls to deck his dames withal, and Lindus, that his pikes doth most commend, of which the ancient Lincoln men do call. All these together marched toward Proteus Hall. Now thence the Irish rivers absent were, sith no less famous than the rest they be, and join in neighborhood of kingdom near. Why should they not likewise in love agree, and joy likewise this solemn day to see? They saw it all, and present were in place, though I them all, according their degree, cannot recount, nor tell their hidden race, nor read the savage countries thorough which they pace. There was the Liffey, rolling down the lee, the sandy slain, the stony Aubrian, the spacious Sheenan, spreading like a sea, and pleasant Boyne, the fishy, fruitful ban, swift Onidoth, which of the English man is called Black Water, and the Liffar deep, sad Troas, that once his people overran, strong aloe tumbling from Sluloger steep, and Mulla mine, whose waves I whilom taught to weep. And there the three renowned brethren were, which that great giant Blomius begot, of the fair nymph Reusa wandering there. One day, as she to shun the season hot, under slew-bloom in shady grove was got, this giant found her, and by force deflowered, whereof conceiving she in time forth brought these three fair sons, which, being thenceforth powered, in three great rivers ran, and many countries scoured. The first, the gentle sure, that making way by sweet Clonmel, adorns rich Waterford. The next, the stubborn Newer, whose waters gray by fair Kilkenny and Rosponte poured. The third, the goodly Barrow, which doth hoard great heaps of salmons, in his deep bosom, all which, long sundered, do at last accord to join in one, ere to the sea they come, so flowing all from one, all one at last become. There also was the wide embayed mare, the pleasant bandon, crowned with many a wood, the spreading lee, that like an island fair encloseth cork with his divided flood, and baleful oor, late stained with English blood, with many more whose names no tongue can tell, all which that day in order seemly good did on the Thames attend, and waited well to do their dewful service as to them befell. Then came the bride, the lovely Medwa came, clad in a vesture of unknown gear, and uncouth fashion, yet her well became, that seemed like silver sprinkled here and there with glittering spangs, that did like stars appear, and waved upon like water Camelot, to hide the metal which yet everywhere bewrayed itself, to let men plainly wot it was no mortal work that seemed and yet was not. Her goodly locks adown her back did flow unto her waist, with flowers bescattered, the which ambrosial odors forth did throw to all about, and all her shoulders spread as a new spring, and likewise on her head a chapelet of sundry flowers she wore, 
from under which the dewy humour shed did trickle down her hair like to the hoar congealed little drops which do the morn adore on her two pretty handmaids did attend one called the tace the other called the crane which on her waited things amiss to mend and both behind upheld her spreading train under the which her feet appeared plain her silver feet fair washed against this day and her before their placid pages twain both clad in colours like and like array the dune and eke the frith both which prepared her way and after these the sea nymphs marched all all goodly damsels decked with long green hair whom of their sire nereides men call all which the ocean's daughter to him bare the grey-eyed doris all which fifty are all which she there on her attending had swift proto mild eucrit thetis fair soft spio sweet eudore sao sad like doto wanton glauce and galini glad white hand eunica proud dynamone joyous thalia goodly amphitrite lovely pasithi kind eulimony light-foot chimotho and sweet melody fairest feruza foul lily-white wondered agave porus and nicea with erato that doth in love delight and panope and wise protomedea and snowy-necked doris and milk-white galathea speedy hippotho and chaste actia large lysianassa and pronea sage evagor and light pontoporia and she that with her least word can assuage the surging seas when they do sorest rage chimodosy and stout autonoe and niso and ione well in age and seeming still to smile glauconomy and she that height of many hests polynomy fresh alameda decked with girland green hipponio with salt bedewed rests laomedea like the crystal sheen leogory much praised for wise behests and samathy for her broad snowy breasts chimo eupompe and temiste just and she that virtue loves and vice detests evarna and menippe true in trust and nemertia learned well to rule her lust all these the daughters of old nereus were which have the sea in charge to them assigned to rule his tides and surges to uprear to bring forth storms or fast them to upbind and sailors save from wrecks of wrathful wine and yet besides three thousand more there were of the ocean's seed but jove's and phoebus kind the which in floods and fountains do appear and all mankind do nourish with their waters clear the which more eath it were for mortal wight to tell the sands or count the stars on high or aught more hard than think to reckon right but well i wot that these which i descry were present at this great solemnity and there amongst the rest the mother was of luckless marinel chimodosy which for my muse herself now tired has 
unto another canto I will overpass. End of Canto 11 Recording by Thomas Copeland